this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 21, 3 to 17. John chapter 21, 3 to 17. Who do you love? Who do you love? Now, this morning after our service, we're going to have a time of communion. And um, I was thinking about it this week to do communion, and it was on my mind, and just kind of thought about it. Oh, next week, next week. And as this morning, as I was just going over my message, I just feeling the Lord say, no, it's this week, not next week. You need to do it this week. And I said, oh, yeah, but Lord, uh, it's kind of have to do a lot of things real fast and to get that ready for today. And anyway, we did. And so we're going to have communion. And as I was thinking about that, I was just thinking about some of the testimonies uh, right here in our own congregation. Uh, I had a number of people from our church uh, talk to me this week and just say, hey, pastor, you know, I, I was just feeling the Lord tell me to do this or do that. And uh, I was obedient. And, and, and wow, it really worked out. I was able to pray for this person. I was able to do this and that. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll get some of those people to share those stories. But uh, just love hearing that when the congregation is really doing what it's supposed to be doing. They're listening to what the Spirit is saying. They're responding. They're doing what God is asking them to do. And uh, they're seeing some pretty neat things take place and happen. And so I don't want to steal their stories. I'll get them maybe to share uh, some of their stories, maybe even next week. We'll see if that would work out. But uh, really refreshing as a pastor to hear that your congregation is listening to the Lord. And uh, to me, that's more exciting than any message, uh, any song service, uh, when I hear that our church people are doing their jobs and they're listening to the Lord and they're out there doing things for the kingdom of God. And so uh, bless you, congregation. Uh, for just being sensitive to the Lord, to his leading, to his guiding, and, and responding to that. We really do appreciate that, and very exciting uh, to hear that. But this morning, I want to talk about who do you love? Who do you love? John chapter 21, 3 to 17, may be a very familiar passage to you. And it, it starts with Simon Peter, the apostle, saying, I'm going fishing. And the rest of the apostles said, we'll come too. And they went out in a boat, and they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a 100 yards from shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. And Jesus says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore there was about 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he'd been raised from the dead. Now after, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told them and repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Father, we just thank you for your word here this morning. And we just pray that, Lord, you'll make your word come alive in our hearts today. And that, Lord, you'll find a resting place in each one of us as we look at our love for you today. So we just pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. So here this morning, we're introduced to a, a famous story in the Bible that talks about who do you love? And for the Apostle Peter, it, was, it served as a life-changing moment for him when he was asked, who do you love? And Jesus, speaking very clearly to Peter, was asking that question very directly, and he was wanting that answer to come from Peter. He could have came from the other disciples. They could have interrupted and said, oh, Lord, we love you. But he was really directing that question to Peter himself. Now, the reason for this question was not for Jesus' benefit, but rather was for the benefit of Peter. Now, you remember that the apostle Peter was the disciple that had said to Jesus that he would never deny him and that he was willing to die for Christ. However, when the time came and Jesus was arrested and all the things that began to happen right then, that bravery, that confession turned into fear. Now, while the rest of the disciples all fled, and in actuality, they all denied the Lord, but as the other disciples fled, Peter followed from a safe distance, and he slipped into the courtyard where Jesus was being held. It was very dark, and he kind of stood in the background to see what was going to take place with Jesus. And it would seem that Peter was there for a little while, obviously, before somebody started to recognize him. And they exposed him as a follower of Jesus. And Peter, trying to stay unnoticed, declared that, no, 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 I'm not a follower of Jesus. And he declared that he didn't even know Jesus. And this happened three times, and three times Peter denied knowing his Lord. On the third time, the Bible says the rooster crowed, and the words of Jesus came back to his mind that he would deny the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. It hit him like a ton of bricks, and he ran out of the courtyard, uh, courtyard weeping for what he had just done. Now, that experience of, of Peter denying his Lord, it's quite the experience. If you go to Israel, you can go to that place where Jesus was being punished and whipped and tortured. But at the entrance of that place, you will see a statue of Peter. And let me tell you, when I, I see that, I just wept inside to think, you know, that's what, I don't want to be remembered for something that I failed at. I want to be remembered for the good that I've done. And, and of course, Peter has been remembered for the good that he has done, but that little statue thing is, I think that's kind of a hard one for, to think about. But anyway, for Peter, this experience haunted him. 
So much so that he really didn't feel that he was a disciple anymore. And that feeling was so strong that you'll note that when Jesus rose from the dead and he told the women, to go and tell the disciples and Peter. And it kind of gives us a sign that Peter was kind of separating himself from those disciples as he felt so bad for denying his Lord. And after Jesus appeared to the disciples, and as he appeared to Peter, Peter was there, it seems that Peter was still struggling with this denial. And here we see, you know, after two appearances of Jesus to them all, instead of the disciples going out and immediately preaching the gospel, telling everybody about the resurrection, we see the disciples struggling with their calling, and Peter with his calling. And Peter tells the rest of the disciples, you know what, I think I'll go back to fishing. And a number of the other disciples also followed him, and they began to go fishing. seems rather strange that if you saw the Lord face to face a few times, you know he's real, you know the resurrection happened, you think you'd be so excited, but they're going back to familiar territory, which sometimes can be a real trap for us. But I believe Jesus, knowing that Peter was going through this torment of denial, took the opportunity to appear to the disciples again for a third time to intervene in that torment, which is kind of a good sign to us to show that, you know, God will go to great lengths to bring us back. When we make mistakes or we're hurting or we're in a torment over something, God will go to great lengths to minister to us. And when the apostle John recognized Jesus on the shores, they were fishing, we see that Peter, obviously he still loved the Lord because, again, he just quickly put on his coat, jumped in the water, swam to shore to be with Jesus. But still, you know what? Guilt, shame, remorse can sometimes even get the better of us, even if we're around Jesus. And so Jesus took the opportunity to deal with that torment once and for all. And he asked Peter, do you love me? Now, Jesus asking that, he obviously knew the answer. So it wasn't for his benefit, it was for Peter's benefit. And for Peter, he was struggling and wondering, am I still a disciple? Am I still the, the spokesman uh, for the disciples? Am I even worthy uh, to be a disciple? Some commentators said that possibly even the other disciples were thinking less of Peter as well. But the biggest purpose here was that it gave Peter the opportunity to make up for his denial of Christ with a profession of love for Jesus three times. You know, as you read the story, three times he denied his Lord, but here he had an opportunity to profess, I love you, Lord, three times. And we know that that's how God works. He's going to counteract what had happened that led to a disappointment and led to shame and disappointment and turn it around to lead it to something good and to something great. And that's what God can do in our lives as well. It certainly shows the love of Jesus that he has for us as his followers. You know, Jesus could have rebuked Peter. He could have, you know, made a stand say, if you're going to be my disciples, like I already told you, you've got to be willing to give up everything and come and follow me. He, he could have rebuked Peter and said, you're done. 
you're out of here. But he gave Peter the opportunity to confess his allegiance and his loyalty once again and restoring him to his position of spokesman for the disciples. And to me, as I look at that story, I think of that story, I think, you know, God is good to us. God is good to us. Because I'm sure every one of us in here have had times where, you know, God told us to do something and we didn't do it. Or maybe there were times where we were kind of in disobedience. Or maybe there was a time we walked away from the Lord for a while or maybe even for a long time. And, you know, when we go through times of failure and the things of God, there can be a lot of remorse there. There can be a lot of guilt and shame and torment, uh, feelings of unworthiness. But as you read this story, it's a story of hope because it gives us the hope that Jesus will give us an opportunity where we can overcome what we failed in. And that's what Jesus does. You know, where maybe we've denied our Lord, maybe we messed up in some way in our faith, and, you know, we're going through some of that torment, but Jesus will come along, give us an opportunity to respond in a way where we can show that, I love you, Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. I really do love you. And he restores us, and he removes the torment, the shame, and bring us back to a fulfilling life. Jesus loves to give us opportunities like that to declare our love, to recommit ourselves back to him. And, you know, for Christ, it, it's very important that we have a right relationship with him and that we stay in a right relationship with him. And, and Jesus will work on that. He's not just waiting for us. He's going to work on that and, and speak to us and bring circumstances our way that we would come back to that place of a right relationship of love with him. And so this morning, I just want to take some time to look at this passage a little bit more and uh, just kind of look at that whole area of who do you love? Who do you really love? You know, lots of times we can be pretty quick and say, oh, well, of course I love Jesus. Of course I do. But as Jesus was asked that to Peter, let's get to the bar. No, now, who do you really love? Who's really the love of your life. And sometimes we got to think about that for a moment because sometimes we might respond, oh, you are Jesus. But then when we look around ourselves and see what we're doing, it might be we love something or someone more. And so we need to look at this to see about this whole topic of who do you love? And the first part of who do you love is a question of love that certainly needs to be answered by each and every one of us. And Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? John 21, 16, it says, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the fact that he's asking that three times, as we already said, is a, a purposeful attempt by Jesus to help Peter to rise above the denial where he denied his Lord three times. All the commentators agree that that's what Jesus was doing. And, and Peter, he begins to profess that, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. And as he's saying that, there is a sign that here is a new commitment, a new calling uh, that's coming on Peter's life. And, and certainly, 
the fact that Jesus was talking to him and asking, do you really love me, was helping him even in the eyes of the fellow disciples that, you know what, Jesus wasn't, you know, taking Peter out of that leadership role. Peter wasn't, uh, Jesus wasn't throwing out uh, Peter out of the disciples group, but rather was restoring Peter and sharing with Peter that, yes, there's still a love relationship that is going on. And that was something that Peter needed. Fresh commissioning was also taking place for him. And kind of shows that, you know, Jesus gives us second chances, third chances, fourth chances. And on and on it goes sometimes where he'll give opportunity after opportunity. He will chase us down. He loves us that much. And he wants to bring us back to that place where we will love him more and more. But what is also important to see here is that there's action that must follow our professions of love. See, words are not enough. And, you know, we hear lots of people say, oh, I love you. And maybe, you know, uh, you've had people come up to you and say, oh, I, I love you. And, and yet they don't do anything. Hopefully that's not your spouse. But when we say I love you, there needs to be something that follows that up. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell Peter as well. Well, if you love me, feed my sheep. There's some work that you need to do. If you say you love someone, there's a work you need to do. Now, the first question was, uh, Jesus was asked, do you love me more than these? Who was Jesus referring to? Was he referring to the rest of the disciples? That Peter, do you, do you love me more than these other disciples? Or maybe it was Jesus was kind of hitting on his job as a fisherman. There, a lot of the disciples were fishermen. They knew how to do that very well. And we see that for some strange reason, these disciples went back to fishing, even after seeing Jesus in the flesh after the resurrection. So maybe he was asking that, is that more important to you or am I more important to you? Sometimes we really got to be looking at what we're actually doing to realize what's important to us. And it kind of shows a problem as human beings that we sometimes go back to that which is familiar. We go back to our old ways, our old jobs, our old way of living because we're comfortable maybe back there. We know what we're doing back there. But when we follow Jesus and love Jesus, he's asking us that we leave that old life behind. He's looking for a full commitment and not a partial commitment. To truly love Jesus, we need to be willing to give up our former way of living and not keep it as a backup plan. In case, you know, things don't work out the way we like, we kind of have a backup plan. Sometimes we do that. If you're going to follow Jesus, it needs to be a commitment of all the way. Kind of in, in a sense, it's like taking a marriage vow. The marriage vow was meant to be binding and for your whole life. Same with serving Jesus. It's meant to be your whole life. It's not meant to be, you know, for the next five years, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. But then after that, i got other things I need to be doing. No, it's a whole life commitment. And as Jesus keeps pressing Peter for a response, Peter continues to respond that, Lord, I really do love you. I really, really do. And he's starting to get paranoid that Jesus is asking him so often, do you love me when Peter said, I, I, I know I do. He wasn't realizing at the time 
just how important it was that he professing that he loved Jesus those three times. But as Jesus asked him that, Jesus had a response to him. And he said, feed my sheep. Do what I called you to do. See, words of love for Jesus need to be backed up by our actions. Our love for Jesus needs to be more than just a confession, a head knowledge or a heart acknowledgement, but something where we show it by our actions. Peter was told, feed my sheep. What was that talking about? Well, serve, teach, look after the sheep, be a shepherd, be a leader. Our love for Jesus needs to be taken seriously that it might be seen by what we do and by what we prioritize in our lives. Scripture, scripture is quite clear that the priority is really to be Jesus. It really is. To love the Lord our God with our all. The Bible says they are the first and second commandments. <laughs> You'll find that in Matthew 22, 37, 39. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's some real big priorities that Jesus is trying to get across to us to tell us, you know what's important in life? That you love God and that you love one another. That's what's important. Love is very important. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, with your all. Not a part, not a portion, not for a certain amount of time, but for all time, above all others, let your love for God be supreme. Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Our response to the question of who do we love needs to come with a big response that, yes, Lord, I am willing to give my all. I will make this commitment. I will love you all the days of my life. Now, secondly, in who do you love? We need to look at what love entails. Again, as we read this story where Peter's responding and saying, yes, Lord, I love you. Verse 17 of John 21, a third time Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. See, again, love is more than words. Peter could express, you know, that he loved the Lord, but the real test was going to be whether or not he was going to serve the Lord. And the same goes for us as well. We can all say, you know, I love Jesus. You know, I'm a Christian. And, you know, I go to church at some times. And, you know, but the proof of it is going to be your actions and what you do. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, Obey my commandments. There's an action that must follow the profession of love to him. And it's a very direct uh, response as well that Jesus is saying, you know, you love me, you're saying that you're a Christian, then you're going to obey my commandments. Plain and simple, very clearly. And that's really repeated throughout Scripture. First uh, John 5, 3, it says, Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I like that because, you know, we can be very prone to complain. You know, I think we're all like that at times. Sometimes we just start complaining to God. And, 
But, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, if you really love me, you'll do anything for me. You're not going to complain. It's not, you're not going to say, oh, this is too hard. This is too difficult. Oh, God, you're going to do it. Why? Because you love him. And when you love someone, you'll do anything for them. You really will. True love involves sacrifice, a willingness to take up whatever cross we may have to bear and to serve the Lord. It's giving up of our own desires to serve him first. He's to be number one. 1 John 3, 16 addresses our real love as well. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Very clear again. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we'll be confident when we stand before the Lord. To say you love Jesus, it's just not enough. There needs to be some action to it. There need to be things that you're doing to show that you really love Jesus. If your spouse is here with you and, and, and you say to your spouse, I love you, your words are not enough. They need to see you show it. Because if you're not showing it, those words are meaningless to them. Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? Lastly, we come to the danger of losing that love. When one talks about who do you love, one also needs to talk about keeping that love and not losing it. For Peter, he denied his Lord when he faced pressure and a threat of imprisonment. If he was found out as a follower of Christ, uh, as he was in that courtyard, they quickly could have turned on him. He quickly could have been imprisoned, possibly even executed. And so he kept denying his Lord. And sometimes if we're honest, we'll choose our own skin over losing or professing our faith in Christ. But Scripture warns us there can be consequences for denying our Lord. There can be even eternal consequences of losing our love for him. And we certainly, that's not a place we want to go. There are many things in this world that can take our focus and our love. And we really need to keep working on that focus on Jesus and loving Jesus because that relationship really is important. 1 John 2, 15 to 17 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will be lived forever. You know, it can be really easy for all of us, and we do, all of us at times, we kind of get caught up in all the good things that the world offers. There's lots of good things that our world offers us. But where a problem comes sometimes is where we allow those things to start controlling us instead of us controlling them. And, you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes we allow that pursuit of pleasure, that pursuit of possessions to you know, take over our lives. That that's all we think about versus our focus is on Jesus. Jesus. 
So we need to be watch out what we crave, what we allow ourselves to dwell upon, what, what, you know, what we do, what our goals are, or what things that are important to us. Is Jesus number one or is he number four, number six, number two? It says he's to be number one. See, true love keeps the focus on the person you love. And if you're in love with someone, you're going to want to be with them all the time. You know, think of that when you first became a Christian and you fell in love with Jesus. What did you do? You couldn't get enough of him. You couldn't get enough of church. You couldn't get enough of serving God. You couldn't get enough of testifying and sharing your faith. You do it all those things. Well, is that still there? Or has that grown cold? Have we grown silent? Again, it's your actions that are going to show whether or not you're in love with Jesus. Jesus also addressed this in the last book of the Bible where he warns the church about losing their first love, Revelations 2, 4 and 5. He says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Again, there's an action that's required. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. And that can be a real problem in Christianity where we just allow life and the things of life to slowly rob us of our love for Jesus. It's not something that we intentionally do. It's just something that so gradually, slowly can take place in our lives. And before we realize it, all of a sudden we're far from Jesus. We're far from being in love with him. Now, Jesus, in his mercy, he will convict us. He will try to get our attention. He will do whatever he has to do to get us back to that place in that loving relationship again. But still, it comes back to us in our own response. Notice Jesus said to the church that when he saw that they lost their first love, what does he say to them? Do the works you did at first. Go back to what you really did before when you were in love with a person. That's great marriage advice as well, that if you've fallen out of love with your spouse, go back to what you did at first where you fell in love. Great thing to do. Again, it's not about words. It's about action. It can be easy sometimes to go through, you know, the appearances and go through all the motions, but eventually your actions are going to really show whether you love that person or not. And so Jesus is saying, guard your love for me. Don't lose that love. Don't allow it to grow cold. Keep spending time with him. Keep doing those things that you know are pleasing to God, that are good things, that are going to help your relationship to prosper with him. Because the Bible says if you seek him first, if you get it in the right order, he said, I'll add all these other things of life that you're all worried about, you're all concerned about, or things maybe that you want and desire. God's not kind of rob you of all that life offers you. He just says, let me be first. And then I'll help you in those other areas that you might enjoy life, that you might enjoy the blessings that life can bring. But just put me first. That's all he's asking. And so as we look at ourselves, have we lost our first love for Jesus? And if we have, then we need to get, get it back. You know, the time of his return is is drawing nigh. We had a speaker there for our breakfast on 
Saturday morning, and he was talking about end times. Well, I think we all recognize that you know, we're, we're definitely in that area when we look at the end times that the Bible talks about. We see that that's today. It's happening. Those very things are happening today. And, and the Bible says Jesus is coming back for a bride that is ready, a bride that's still in love with him. He, he's not come back for a bride that could care less about him. He's come back for a bride that loves. He wants, he wants that marriage to take place. And if there's no love, there won't be a marriage that will take place. So he's looking for love. Who do you love? Now, this morning as we close, it's important for us to answer that question individually. Who do you love? Who do you really, really, really love? Because that's going to affect not just your now, but it's going to affect your future, and also affect your eternity. And I really do. I see the Lord moving in our world right now. He's encountering more and more people. He's trying to get people back to where they should be in a relationship with him. Jesus is doing his part to draw us back into a love relationship with him, that our love would be even stronger. And so we need to look at, well, what are we doing about that? Are we responding back and saying, yes, Lord, I'm ready I'm ready. I'm ready for your coming, Lord. I'm ready to do whatever you ask me to do. I love you, Lord. Are we in that place? Because Jesus, he doesn't settle for superficial answers. doesn't settle for just a profession. There needs to be the proof by our actions. Who do you love? Who do you love? Is it really Jesus? Or is it someone else or something else? As we come into communion today, I just sent so strongly this morning that, no, you need to have communion today. And I know that Cynthia, she had already prepared her song service, and so I was thinking, like, that's not good to do, you know, to call her up at, you know, at 8 o'clock or 8.30 while she's ready to straight. By the way, add a few more songs because we're going to do communion today. But she is gracious. She knows me by now that sometimes I'll do that. And she's, they did that, the worship team. Thank you, worship team that you responded. But I think this is to be a personal Sunday where we just get to say again to Jesus, Jesus, I do love you. I do love you. And I don't mind, Lord, making a fresh commitment today, not just in my words, but, Lord, I want to commit myself afresh to you and just say, I love you, Jesus. I want more of you, Jesus. You know, we're living in a season where I really think that God is saying, do you want more? then start asking for it. And so do you want to fall more in love with Jesus? And start saying yes to him. Yes, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never opened up your heart to Jesus. Maybe you're watching us online and you've never opened up your heart to Jesus and just told Jesus that you love him and that you're at the place say, you know what, I'm ready to commit my life. I'm ready to commit my life to you, Jesus. To serve you all the days of my life to put you first in my life. Then you can just say, Jesus, come into my life today. Forgive me of my sin and help me to serve you every day. Or if, as Christians, if we've fallen away or if Jesus has kind of fallen down that priority list where he's not number one anymore, that maybe he's down to number three or number four, maybe it's a time that we just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. It just 
kind of happened. That's the way life can take us. Sometimes unintentionally, we just start to fall apart. We didn't mean to. Just slowly, gradually, we got busy with other things, and Jesus became less and less of a priority to us. Then we can make today a new day to say, Jesus, I'm back. I'm back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've allowed these things and people to take me away from you where you haven't been first in my life. Well, I'm here today to say, Jesus, I'm back. And I love you more than ever. And as we close this service, we're going to have this communion time. And-